Manufacturer Podcast. Today, we're all about that data. If you're a manufacturer in this day and age and you've got a poor handle on your data, you're done, basically. The Industrial Data Summit of 2022 took place last week, and in this episode, we'll be hearing from some world-class manufacturers who attended. From F1 to confectionery, data is king. Hear how best to manage and harness it in today's episode. All right, listener, you're back with us for the second episode of our technology series. Yes, we didn't have an episode last week, but you stop bloody going on about it. If you're listening to this, it's Friday the 6th of May, or possibly actually later in the year. Maybe it's 100 years from now, and you've only just discovered this podcast. Maybe it's being analyzed by scholars. It's on the school curriculum, perhaps. Editor Joe joins me for this episode, where we round up the highs and the lows of our trip to Birmingham last week for the Industrial Data Summit. Hello, mate. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you okay? Very well, thank you. Very well. Recovered from last week. Raring to go for another podcast. Good to hear. Our reporter Lana is absent and therefore ripe for ridicule. Lightweight. Ooh, you suck. Apparently she's ill. Um, I mean, unless you're having your last rights read to you, you cannot be ill for this podcast. You just can't. I dialed in remotely last time, didn't you I? Did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there in spirit. Well, let's hear from a handful of speakers who spoke at this event, shall we? We had manufacturers who shared their data journeys, their pain points, the mistakes they made along the way and how they've got to where they are now. We also had data experts supplied by our wonderful event sponsors, gathering shared and aggregated experiences from manufacturers from the day's discussion tables. Harry Minns was the first keynote speaker of the day. Harry is the systems and data controller at Williams Racing. Woof. From him, we learned how a data-fueled Formula One mindset can be used to improve a manufacturing business. Here he is talking to you, Joe, on the day. How is data changing and shaping how F1 operates in terms of, of driving performance, excuse the pun? We've always been uh, fantastic at race data and uh, the data analytics on, on how we perform on race day, uh, as well as qualifying, has been second to none. Uh, that's cross Formula One. What, what we're learning, especially at Williams, is that the data management in the manufacturing area needs to be um, on par with our race data, um, making sure that we analyze and uh, adapt using our data um, to help our manufacturing processes is absolutely key um, and that, that's kind of the journey we're on now. In terms of the pace of technology is it is it moving at a, at a pace you know faster than, than at any other period in, in history it certainly seems to be and further to that what kind of role is data playing in that? Yeah for for Williams specifically it's, it's going leaps and bounds uh, our new owners and our new uh, team team manager is key very keen on having as much modern technology uh, from race all the way through to manufacturing so looking at cloud-based operating systems moving into the iot and robotics um, it's going leaps and bounds in williams space um, other teams have got into that already um, but but we've got to catch up so we're we're, we're driving that heavily at the moment what impact would that what that have for you and the evolution of your role going forward into the future and roles like yours uh, we've got to think outside the box in terms of data capture and how we change our data. Um, who do we give that ownership to? We might need to start looking at flowing ownership to lower levels who can change data that maybe you wouldn't allow at a mass manufacturing organisation. Uh, 
so we can input data at, at other areas of the business and give ownership to those people. And, and that does increase risk, but with the speed at which we work, it, it's something we need to look at. How does a shaping a data strategy and implementing a data strategy work in a, in a sector that's as competitive as F1? It's tough because the number one thing we've got to focus on is getting the car to the track on a, on a Saturday. And that comes above everything else. That comes above process and uh, data cleansing and, and everything. And, and that's the, the direction we've got to move away from. We've got to focus more on our data accuracy and our, our, our data governance in order to help drive better processes long term, not just race by race. What can uh, F1 and mass manufacturing learn from each other? in terms of data? Yeah, I think in uh, from mass manufacturing, Formula One needs to learn that governance is key and that we've got to look after our data just as we look after our, our people, um, that we need to take the, the longevity of data seriously uh, to help drive decision-making and, and performance. I think from Formula One, mass manufacturing needs to learn that you can be agile and you can make quick decisions uh, which can benefit uh, the, the production life cycle and to give ownership to people of that data and those decisions can can really help you in see real performance. John Stammers is the theme lead for connectivity and AI at the University of Sheffield Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre, the AMRC. Here he is sharing some of the benefits and also some of the challenges of moving to a data-centric approach. What sort of opportunities can open up for, for manufacturers by embracing data? I think the opportunities sort of depend on the company and what stage it's at in its journey to digitalization, if you like. So some companies who are still reliant on entirely paper-based systems, are, they're at a very different stage to a company that already has some kind of data capture impl implemented. So the opportunities are massive if they are taken. So um, moving towards a data-centric approach with your manufacturing means that you can make decisions based on data, based on real values, as opposed to making decisions based on gut feel. Okay, so we're using that data to actually derive meaningful insight and also drive business decisions. Once a, a manufacturer has you know, perhaps taken the decision to go down a, a data-centric approach, what are then some of the common, common problems and common challenges that might crop up and how can, how can they be overcome? Quite often people think the first challenge is I'm not capturing any data, what data should I be capturing? Well actually that's one of the last questions you should be asking. The first question really is, why are you doing it? What is your vision for your data-centric approach in the future? There must be some fundamental business questions that you are trying to answer, otherwise you wouldn't be looking towards your data. So one of the first challenges people need to overcome is defining what that vision is and what they are trying to do with that data in their long-term goal. One of the other challenges is ensuring that the people in your organization are part of the journey. A transformation into a data-centric approach shouldn't happen to people, it should happen with them. They should be in the driving seat in many cases. Because I think a lot of staff potentially have that uh, hesitation to data because they think it's going to be used almost against them. It's going to be used to look at their work in detail and scrutinize them. That's not the point of moving to a data-centric approach. The whole point is that you get people interested in the data and interested in working with it and learning more from the data rather than using it as a stick to beat people with. So I think that staff buy-in is critical to any move towards a data-centric approach. What would you say are the key do's and don'ts uh, for manufacturers moving to a data-centric approach? Do define your vision. Do work out why it is that you want to start using more data. Have some questions that you want to answer with data. Don't just start collecting data. 
don't collect data and just store it for a rainy day and think, oh, one day this is going to be valuable. One day we'll be able to use this. There's that misnomer that data is the new oil. Oil has a value when it's stored. Data does not. If you're not doing anything with the data, there is no value to it. So don't just capture data for the sake of it. Do have questions that you want to answer. The other thing I would say is a massive do is look at your people, look at how it's going to impact them and move towards using more data and try and identify individuals within the company that already show a bit of interest for the data, already show a bit of passion for using data. They can become your data champions and they can start spreading the word throughout your company about why the move towards a data-centric approach is going to help everybody. We'll be hearing from two more speakers from the event in just a moment. Uh, but first of all, let's have a chat with a guy who put all of this on, shall we? It's the conference production manager, Ashley Alton, joining us in the studio. Hello, Ash. Good afternoon, Tom. How are you doing? I'm very, very well. Thank you very much. That's good to hear. Did you think the event went well? I mean, me and Joe enjoyed it. Did, did you enjoy it? Do you think it went well? I enjoyed it very much. I mean, the opportunity to get out and meet people face-to-face. -face. I mean, obviously, after after running... This particular event for the last two years virtually, of course, um, yeah. and it's now in its fifth year. But yeah, to be be in the same room with with everyone, um, pressing the pressing the flesh um, was was really fabulous to see, and we we had a really fantastic turnout yeah, did. on the day uh every table was full. So yeah, yeah very pleased. You you had such an like an array of different topics around data. It was incredible that, that you were able to think up so many the, 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 re, like the research of these things must be pretty extensive it is um and getting that uh the getting the topics right is very very important mm. but of course i spend about six months prior to every event reaching out to the manufacturing sector to really talking to as many people as i can mm to find out what the challenges are what are the key issues that the the challenges they're facing you know what are their pain points what would they like to discuss so from that research i'm then able to sort of narrow it down to normally around eight topics as being the key important topics for everyone what i took from it was it came up on a couple of the discussion tables i was on this over dependence on technology you know this kind of idea you throw all of your data into an like an AI solution and it will sort it all out. And actually that, that's often not a good way to approach data capture and management. A lot of manufacturers seem to jump in quite quickly. You've actually got to assess your data, work out what outcomes you're looking to get from it. Manufacturers are often getting the systems and programs that are available rather than the systems and programs that are the most effective uh, for different types of data. Another thing, data is kind of, very different and all-encompassing, but a lot of manufacturers do seem to share the common problems within that space, don't they? Or, or that certainly from, from what I could gather, that's the case. Yeah, very much so, Tom. Um, uh, collecting the data, uh, it's quite an interesting, because over the last five years, um, I've sort of been sort of, are, are we sort of further down the road now, five years later, do we really need to be sitting around a table discussing how to collect your data? Uh, but for the fifth year in a row, the data collection, data integration table was the first uh, session to fill up. 
uh, first, you know, not for everyone, but always the very popular. So getting that data collected, you know, either people have been doing it wrong, they mm-hmm. haven't, as you just mentioned earlier, haven't put a, a strategy together for, you know, you know what they're going to use this data for, um, how they're going to collect it, how they're going to manage it, how they're going to analyze it, um, and how they're going to monetize it. Um, and that's that's critically important. Mm. Uh, and it's clear that um, you know the fact that there's still a need for a conference on this subject five years later is that that you know there's still a lot to learn, and people haven't not everyone's been getting it right. Mm. So to come along to an event like this, uh, and this is where the discussion sessions come into their own, because to sit around a table with your peers from all the different industry sectors and find out you know how what their issues were, how they overcame them, um, is, is a very valuable use of their time. So yeah, that people get a lot out of the, um, the sessions and the event. It's certainly interesting listening to some of the discussions from, from the manufacturers on, on the day because it certainly seems that, that a lot of them were on quite early stages on their sort of data journey, if, if you like. And, you know, they're all of a sudden in a situation where they've got these vast reservoirs of data that they they as you said Ash, they need to work out well how they how they're going to manage it how they're going to collect it what are they going to use it for and as you say well how, is there any monetary value to it so it was certainly yeah it was it, it, it was certainly interesting to listen to some of the the collaborative ideas that were being batted backwards and forwards on the day you mentioned the discussion table format this area where you can chat freely about your experiences and you know you're not just being spoken to through a keynote or a workshop. What does that lend itself to? And I know this is how we do all of our our events of this kind, but how do you think that lends itself to something so complex as data? Um, well, it's it's people um as you said as you as you mentioned, coming together to share um their problems and their issues, whether it might be data whether it's technology, digitalization, whether it's sustainability, whatever it might be, the format works f- f- for everything because the oppor- you know they're sitting around a table, there'll be you know an average 10 manufacturers um, coming together with two discussion hosts um, to uh, facilitate the conversation. And everyone is given an opportunity to ask questions, to share their challenges, uh, if if relevant, to answer the questions that another manufacturer might have to talk about how they went about doing things. Um, so the manufacturers, you know, it's it incredibly beneficial for them use of their time to be able to, you know, then think, oh, that I, I can I could implement that. That's that that could work for me. I could give that a try. You know, coming away from that event, and they attend three uh, 50-minute discussion sessions yeah. on their choice of eight topics, three out of those eight topics. So, yeah, it works, essentially. It's a very good use of their time rather than, as you say, just listening to someone talking at them for 50 minutes. They're getting all their their questions answered and hearing everyone else's and learning from that. Yeah, it was yeah. really collaborative, wasn't yeah. it? It was a real, real sense of... Um, you know, cooperation in the room, which is which was really good to see, yeah. not, and something that I'd not seen in an event before. Absolutely, and in terms of improving my knowledge of data, which beforehand was relatively limited, it was, it was a great <laughs> eye opener, wasn't that, it? Yeah. A great eye yeah. opener, and yeah, some really valuable experiences. As good as the conference and the day was, gents. I mean, let's have a let's have a quick talk about the journey home, shall we? Because 
as good as the day was, <laughs> the evening part wasn't so great, was it? I think it was karma. I think because the event went so well, I think fate had to lend a hand and throw a massive spanner in the works for our journey home. I think that's what it was. We had train delays, listener, from, well, what, what have I've kind of put it out of my memory now. We went, had to go from Birmingham, got kicked off at Coventry, had to go from Coventry to Northampton, was on the train from Northampton, then got, did we get kicked off? We got booted off again at Northampton. And then yeah. we went on the yeah. stopping service that takes four years to get back to London. And of course, you guys. It was a magical mystery tour, wasn't you it? You guys don't live in London, of course. So you had to go further still. <sighs> Horrible, wasn't it? Although also kind of fun. We had some beers. We had some train beers. We had a laugh, we? Had, we? We, had, we had a giggle on the way home. And uh, yeah, spirits were kept up. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what time was everyone home in the end? What Quarter to 12. Quarter to 12. <laughs> Dear God! And I and to top my journey off, I had some rather um, lubricated, shall we say, oh, and and, I, and irate oh. West Ham fans yeah. on the on the train on the way home from their <laughs> from their defeat to Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League, which which kind of put the cherry on the cake for me, really. <laughs> dear oh dear, Ash, you can't have been home early. No, I was about the same time as Joe. Actually, after say. twelve, I got home. I think about quarter past twelve. Dear God, what time were we all? Clock, uh, logged on the next day for work. Oh, uh, <laughs> bright and early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, same here. Yeah. Well, I had a meeting at nine o'clock, unfortunately, but, oh, um, which went very well, I'm pleased to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Let's hear now from Mircea Oprasan. Uh, he's the director of advanced analytics at Mars, and he actually touches on uh, what we've mentioned just a moment ago about uh, over reliance on on tech. He says it's critical to understand what the performance challenges before thinking about the data and technologies to leverage. Here's Lana speaking with him on the day. How are the approaches to data analytics evolving? The speed is, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, if you look back at some of the technology developments over the last 10 to 15 years, you can probably now say that technology has finally caught up with the thinking and compute power is much more accept, accessible. The, the cost of technology has gone down dramatically, which allows, I believe, businesses to embrace that opportunity and strive to strive to, to unlock performance that they couldn't maybe or performance that maybe wasn't easily achievable historically. And what are predictive and prescriptive ana analytics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of the buzzwords. Um, the way I would classify them, these are techniques which push a little bit the boundaries of how we typically solve um, or provide insight to, to our businesses. So think about them as methodologies applied upon data, which derive insight that human beings could not get to by using their five senses. Um, so mathematical modeling, machine learning or AI, some of these buzzwords basically suggest that a new discipline is coming about, which is this discipline of data science, that ultimately has the mission to bring new insight to businesses that traditionally they, they just cannot get it because they don't have the skill set. Mm, so very beneficial then? Absolutely, super beneficial, but as with any new technology or new discipline, it takes time to develop, time to, time to embed. And what would you say the issues are around more traditional and functional process silos? It's, it's, it's a good question. I think 
what businesses have evolved into doing now is they, they're very good at maximizing performance in particular business silos. So manufacturing within the four walls of a plant, they, they do really well and they, they, they achieve some really good performance. Uh, logistics will achieve their level of performance. Supply chain will reach a, a good level of performance. But what that has exposed is, in essence, an area of inefficiency which sits at the boundary between business silos or functional silos. And that's where the big ticket items tend to sit nowadays. It's about breaking the, the business silos and breaking the business processes and, 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 and areas of, of collaboration. And I think data and analytics is uniquely positioned to unlock that because you're not bound by operational constructs, by organizational designs. You can do that just with the help of data. Mm. And what new levels of performance can be achieved you know, via these different um, approaches? It's, it's hard to say. I mean, nobody has, has cracked this. There's, there's no industry out there, I personally believe, that has truly achieved the full potential of, of analytics. Um, in terms of what can be achieved, I think sky's the limit. It just depends on the, on the ambition and the, the drive that businesses have to invest in something that might not give them an immediate return. Marla Nelson is the head of data-driven transformation and culture at Jaguar Land Rover. This is an often encountered problem for some businesses. One manufacturer actually on a discussion table that I was on raised the issue of how do we implement a standardized by-the-book data strategy in a company that holds flexibility as one of its core values. We're breaking our own rules, he said. Uh, let's hear what Marla had to say on the topic of organizational structure and buy-in for data strategy. Based on your job title, what is the connection between data and culture? So Jaguar Land Rover is on a journey to transform and become more of a digital business and digital is behind everything we do and we can't do that without data. So we've set up a brand new function called In Digital that drives how we achieve our strategic object, how we support our strategic objectives across the business and data's fundamental to that. So we've set up a data office and it's about making sure we can maximize the returns from our data, put governance structures in place, equip people with the right sort of skill sets and mindsets. Over time, we're changing the culture. We're making sure that Decisions in the boardroom are driven by data. Decisions across the business are driven by data. And that means people have got to start collaborating more, sharing data, talking with partners more widely about how data is going to be used and how can we maximise that. And what risks usually prevent manufacturers from effectively delivering a data collaboration strategy? Um, from Jaguar Land Rover's perspective, it's been fundamental for us having board approval and backing of what we're trying to do in terms of data strategy and data strategies that's really really helped then cascade down the business and make a difference and then from the bottom up it's finding people that will support that vision and that journey what prevents that happening is uh, lack of participation, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, um, silo-driven cultures, and it, it's about radically changing and making a difference in that. And what new opportunities would you say that data can open up for manufacturers? I think if you're not using data effectively in your business, you are not going to be fit for the future. So in order to be long-term, sustainable, successful business, you're going to need data 
and people that can understand data, glean insights from data, do the clever analytical data science and data engineering behind all of that, AI, you just won't be you won't be here in five years time, ten years time. What advice would you give to other manufacturers that are just sort of starting on their data collaboration strategy? I would encourage them to look around the patch, come to events like these to hear from others that have been on the journey, discover what worked well for people, what hasn't worked well for, for people, learn from models and approaches, and then start the discussion within your own business, start developing the strategies and get people on board to support it and then implement and drive change. We are done. Great to chew the fat on what was a meaty industrial data summit. Thanks for joining me, Joe. Nice to see someone from editorial bothered to turn up. Flying the flag, mate. I'm flying the flag. Thanks for that. In the absence of some. Lana will be um, dealt with severely. Yes. And Ash, thanks for popping down to see us, mate. Uh, we have a, a couple more of these, don't we? These, uh, well, one's a symposium, the other's a summit. Um, on the topics of sustainability and digitalization. Remind the listener again when they're taking place, if you would, please. Yeah, so of course, we have our um, third annual Sustainable Manufacturing Symposium taking place online um, on the 16th of June. So I look forward to seeing many people at that. And then following that, uh, the next month on the 13th of July, we have our Manufacturing and Digitalization Summit, which is taking place in Manchester. Fantastic stuff, Ash. Listener, thanks for joining us as always. We will see you in the next episode. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.